How we doing, church? Doing good? Doing good. Welcome, welcome, welcome to one and all of you on this momentous occasion. I'm looking out here and I see some of you, you've been with me 12 years and uh, others of you have come along the way. But regardless, that great verse from 1 Peter comes to mind, for once you were not a people, but now you are a people, the people of God, becoming known, check it out, around the world as New Hope Church. Happy birthday, 12 years of New Hope Church, and he deserves all the glory and the honor and the praise, for he is the Lord of the church. Amen, amen, and amen. Welcome to all of you here at Central Campus. We want to give a warm welcome to the Coffee House community at Central Campus that are killing it upstairs. We want to give a warm welcome to North Raleigh and Columbia, two of our brand new campuses launched in September. Yeah, you can clap for them. Keep it going for Garner, North Carolina over there in Garner. Down in the Sand Hills in Sanford, North Carolina. Welcome. Daughters of the King, NCCIW. Welcome, welcome. I am going to be with you in like a week or two. I, I got it on my calendar. I can't wait to be back out there. Hey, Nairobi, Kenya is streaming this today. Give it up for Nairobi. Love it, love it, love it. And those of you who check this out all over the globe every week on the internet, and those of you who watch and become a part of our community through the television, we welcome all of you. So it's about the church. That's what Vision Day is about. It's about Jesus and his work in the church. So I got a question for you that I want to start off asking you. What, what emotions or phrases come to mind when I say the church? Obviously, they're pretty positive, I think, or you wouldn't be here today. Right? And the truth is, many of you, your image, your emotional connection to the church is being restored as a result of being connected to New Hope Church. Amen? I mean, I hear that all the time from, from many of you. You walk in, you're like, this is the way I always wanted church to be. But let me just push pause again. What, what feelings are emotions well up inside of you when I mention the church? Love, Love she says. Truly, I believe that the local church has done more for the human race than any other movement or organization on the face of planet Earth. I believe that. I believe it in the core of my being. I know that the church has had her bad days in 2,000 years, and the skeptics like to point that out. I know there have been moral failures along the way. But listen, I'm convinced, let me just tell you, in my humble opinion, that the local church has done more for the human race than any other entity, agency, organization on the face of the planet. I believe, and I always have since I became a Christian at the age of 18, I believe that the church is the hope of the world. 
I, and I love that amen from you. I love that. But I know that there are some people who might, you know, you're still a little skeptical. But let me just walk you through the history of the church in about two minutes. I know that's presumptuous, but just, just follow me here for a moment. Since about 33 AD, local churches have spread the message of Jesus Christ across the planet, giving people like you hope and forgiveness and purpose in life. Churches have struck, instructed parents on how to raise their children. Churches have instructed spouses on how to love their spouses and stay faithful to marriage. Churches have helped people learn how to be true friends to one another. Churches have taught their members right from wrong based upon the authority of the scripture. They have helped their members decide what is wise in the world and what is not. Churches have provided a place for people to belong, a refuge. Many of you are here because you just needed a place to call home. Churches don't just help people in pain. Churches have helped people celebrate the joys of life. Like marriage, like baptism, like having children, like graduations, like retirement parties, like grieving in death. Local churches have motivated people to stand up against evil and oppression. They serve as a sort of conscience of the society. Churches have led the way in providing food and housing and clothing to care for under-resourced areas in the world. I'm telling you, friends, if you take the church out of the world, it is lights out. You go think, here's what I want you to do. You go home today and sometime this week, you imagine the world without the church. It's ugly with a capital U. There's nothing like the church when she is hitting on all cylinders. And so as I was getting ready for this week, I started asking myself this question. When was the church at her best? When, when was the church shining the brightest? And I tell you, I believe it's the first church. So open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Hopefully you brought your Bibles to church. If you didn't, oh, let me encourage you to do that each and every week. Acts chapter 2. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to light our way today. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, take our minds and think through them. Lord Jesus, take our hearts and fill with them today. Lord Jesus, I ask that you take my lips and speak through them. For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Now check it out. In the book of Acts, as you're turning there, the first church started 2,000 years ago. The church got a little crazy. And what I mean by that is the Holy Spirit started blowing over the church. And as my kids would say, it got a little cray-cray. And, and if you're a leader or you're a pastor watching this anywhere around the world, you need to know this. And I had to come to terms with that. Pastors can either hold on to control or growth. You can't have both. <laughs> you, can't, you can't have both, pastor, leader, of any kind of movement. And so in the book of Acts, we actually see that they, they let go of control to experience God's growth. You cannot have 
both. So in the book of Acts, they started, they started experiencing the winds of the Holy Spirit. It started blowing over the people. Listen, the winds of the Holy Spirit brought all ethnicities together. They started speaking in tongues. Now, this is not the kind of tongues that some of you imagine. In Acts chapter 2, they're actually speaking in their native language. And they start selling their stuff. And they start giving it away. And God starts calling men and women. That was revolutionary. Sons and daughters. Old and young. And the Holy Spirit started to break down all gender and racial and socioeconomic barriers, and the church was born. You can read Acts 2, 1 through 20 later, but I want to pick up on verse 21, and I want you to read it out loud together with me. Verse 21, really strong, all of our campuses, ready, go. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be... Now, that was really good, but I think you can do it better. Ready? Go. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone? Everyone. Every single person. I love that. I believe the first church, listen to me church, reminds us that the number one component of the church, when she is at her best, is a church, listen to me, a church that proclaims a never-ending proclamation of amazing grace. Can I get an amen? A never-ending proclamation of what? Amazing grace. Not legalism, not ritualism, but the first church in Acts chapter 2 reminds us that the grace of God is for who? Everyone, regardless of what you look like, amen? amen? Regardless of what you smell like, amen? amen. Regardless of what you make, yeah. right? Regardless of where you came from, it is amazing grace and it is for everyone. The church grew, the first church grew, listen, from 11 to 3,011, like overnight. Have you ever wondered why that was the case? I'll tell you why. They were proclaiming a message of amazing grace. Old Peter, remember Peter? We looked at him last week and we just sang about him. Peter, the one who did what? Got out of the boat, right? Peter, the one who had this unbelievable proclivity for sticking both of his feet in his mouth at the same time. Peter gets up around 33 AD and in downtown Jerusalem lets it fly starts preaching the gospel, starts declaring the grace of God, which was a new thing. And, the, and then the people came to him and they said, oh, what must we do? Oh, what a pastor would do to have people ask that question. What must we do, Peter? And in Acts chapter 2, he says this, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For what? For what, church? For the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other war words he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And then you get over there in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2. And why don't you read this out loud with me. Ready? Go. 
Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number. You think they had to lose a little control? God started blowing this thing up, and the reason God started blowing this thing up is because a new covenant had come, a new era had dawned, listen to me, and it was the era of grace. Grace, grace, grace. If you don't know what grace is, if you're a note taker, you want to write this down. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. There's an acrostic for you. Grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense expense and the church started sharing the grace of God and people were saved thousands of them listen to me saved people save people did you hear me save people now don't go getting all uber spiritual on me like nobody said Jesus says I know but Jesus listen through saved people saves people The church is the only organization in the world that has a mandate by God to spread the message of God's grace through his son, Jesus Christ. The government does not have that mandate. Industry does not have that mandate. Universities don't have that mandate. The mandate has been given by God. He says, I have given you all authority to go forth and proclaim my grace. The grace of God. It's why we launched in the last two years. By the way, it's why we do everything as a church. It's why we just launched two campuses in Columbia and North Raleigh. And by the way, we want to pray for Columbia today. I hope you guys are doing well. Pastor Aaron showed up at the church just yesterday. Pipes had busted and the church was flooded. And I bet he didn't sleep much last night like I didn't sleep. I slept an hour last night. Sleep is overrated. Can I get an amen? That's all I slept last night. I was so excited about being with you today. I'll say sleep is overrated till about 6 o'clock this afternoon. Bam! Praying for you, Pastor Aaron. Thank you for working all day and all night to get the church ready for the Columbia campus to grow. I bet they're clapping for them over there. If they're not, we need to all clap for them right now. The grace of God is why Central Campus and NCCIW and the Garner Campus and the Sanford Campus and the, and the Coffee House Campus are rocking for God right now. The grace of God is why on February 9th at Central Campus, we are going to be launching a brand new Latino ministry with headsets in the house. Headsets in the house. Some of you might say, well, didn't we used to have a Latino campus? We did. It didn't work. By the way, that gives me a chance to say, guess what? When you are doing all you can do to get the grace of God out to people, guess what? You will make mistakes and you will do things that don't work. But when you are trying to get the grace of God out, it doesn't matter that it doesn't work. You just keep falling forward. Amen. You just keep doing everything you can. And here's what we discovered. And some of them are in here clapping right now. We discovered that the Latino community really longs to worship with the rest of us. 10, 15, 20 years ago, a lot of them didn't speak English. Most of them speak English. All of their children speak English now. So here's what we're doing. We're bringing them in amongst us. And at the 2.30 service on February 9th. 
We are launching a Latino ministry where there will be people in this church and there will be somebody translating this old southern boy. Because we will do whatever it takes short of sin to introduce people to the grace of God. Can I get an amen? That is why, that is why the Nairobi campus. I haven't shown you their building, have I? We got a worship center. We, we, we got a worship center. Let me show you. And this is, this is, this is, this is an awesome building in Nairobi. That's the side of the building. Let me take you in. It is a, it is a big worship center. Check this out. I guess they're going to do some boxing while they worship. I don't know. There's Pastor Gloria. Pastor Gloria is one of our campus pastors there. Look, at, they even have toilets out back. Check it out. Go, God. We will do anything we can do to get the grace of God in front of people. It's why... We have never really taken our focus off of launching a campus in the North Chapel Hill slash Hillsboro area. It is why right now we are bringing that back before us. Are we saying we're going to do it? No. But let me tell you something. We have found a building that would be a sweet campus for all of you who commute from Mebbin and North Chapel Hill, all of Hillsboro, North Durham. We have found a sweet building. We haven't signed anything. It's not a done deal yet, but we've been talking about this campus for years now. And I just want to let you know that it might be breaking on the horizon again. And if you're here, if you're here and that interests you, listen to me closely. Mark your connect card today. Just put Hillsboro campus. Just write Hillsboro on it. We will add you to a list. My wife is leading that charge. She'll be sending you emails. But the reason we are going to launch 15 campuses throughout, we used to say throughout the Carolinas, but now we've gone to Nairobi. It's really throughout the world. The reason we are going to do it, listen to me, church, is not to make New Hope something big. That's only a, an effect, a result of it. The reason... We are launching these campuses as why? You tell me. Why? To reach people with what? The grace of God. It's the grace of Jesus. Sometimes people ask me, well, how did New Hope start? And I could tell you it started when we decided to go to Kentucky and study and get ready for this church. I could tell you that it started when we landed here in January 27, 2002, and we launched it. I could tell you all those things, but it wouldn't be fully accurate. You know when New Hope started? You know why New Hope started? Here's why. God wrecked me at the age of 18 with his grace, and I just cannot stop. I cannot resist telling every single person about the grace of God. I cannot, will not, shall not. I cannot. And so I have crazy things happen to me from time to time. Like most of you know that every now and then I will take a trip and just ride back down to my hometown, Sumter, South Carolina. Love you folks in Sumter who watch this every single week. And I go back there to try to share the grace of God with people. 
And I remember one time vividly, God just brought this back to my memory uh, this week. I, I went to Sumter and I, I went back to this group of guys that I used to hang with, man. And we were, we were so lost. We were, so, we were just hell bound. And this guy was still lost and hell bound. And, and sure enough, he was home when I went by his house that day. I didn't even know if he still lived there. But I went by and we're sitting out front. And I'm telling them about the grace of God, right? I'm just telling them. I'm telling them about what Jesus did on a cross, 2,000 years ago, I'm telling him how much God loves him. I'm telling him how if he just accepts Christ, he can be born again. And he gets right up to the edge, and, and he's asking all these questions, and he finally, he, he, I finally asked him, I said, hey, do you want to accept Christ? He said, yes. So we started to pray, and I started to lead him in the sinner's prayer, and he stopped me. He said, I can't do it. I said, why? He said, because... When you're done and you leave, I'm going to the liquor store. <laughs> True story. And I said, no, no. I said, that doesn't matter. I said, God loves you. He sent Jesus for you. He doesn't need you to clean up before you come to him. You get him in your heart and he'll clean you up. <laughs> and, and, and I talked for another 20, 30 minutes explaining the gospel again. Round two. I said, are you ready to become a Christian? He goes, I think so. I said, let's pray. Got right up to the edge again. He goes, I can't do it. I can't do it. I said, come on, man. Why this time? He said, same reason. When you're done, dude, I'm going to buy a fifth of liquor. Took a break. I explained it again. And, and finally, I said, hey, how about this? How about you accept Christ and I'll go to the liquor store with you? <laughs> He goes, would you really do that? <laughs> of which you're obviously wondering the same thing. <laughs> I went back through round three, man, round three. He finally accepted Christ. Finally accepted Christ. And if you're watching this, brother, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Now, some of you are wondering, did you go to the liquor store with him? See? <laughs> I'll never tell. No, no, no. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. And, and it's all joking aside, don't, don't read into that what I am not saying. I'm not saying that it's okay to have a problem with alcoholism. I'm not saying it's okay to abuse alcohol. What I am saying, though, is that Jesus Christ doesn't require that a man or a woman get cleaned up before they come to him. Jesus Christ says, come and then I'll clean you up. That's the never-ending proclamation, church, of amazing grace. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. The second component of the extraordinary description of the experience of the first church in Acts chapter 2. Write it in if you're a note taker on the back of your, your worship guide there. Believers were dedicated to growing up spiritually. Believers were dedicated to growing up spiritually. Look at verse 42. Verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. Look at what it says there. Continually, continually devoted themselves to teaching, fellowship, communion, and prayer. Would you read those first three words with me that are underlined? Ready, go. 
continually devoted themselves. Again, continually devoted themselves. Heck, it's three words. Let's read it three times. Ready, go. Continually devoted themselves. I love that. I love that, church. Are you a believer who continually devotes yourself to growing in Christ? Serious question that I want all of you to wrestle with. Serious challenge that I would want to lay out to the church right here as we go into our 13th year. Are you a Christian, are you a believer who continually leans in and devotes yourself to growing up spiritually or are you a babe in the faith and you just want to keep on being a babe? Feed me, feed me, feed me. Believe. You know what that phrase, devotion, you know what that word actually means? Devotion means ferocious dedication. So if you're in here, you've got your Bibles, write that in the margin where it says continually devoted themselves, write in the phrase ferocious dedication. Listen to me, church. It means putting something at the top of your list. It means dislodging other activities and commitments. It means reorienting yourself and your life to accommodate the object of your devotion. And his name is Jesus for those who want to grow. You know what part of the vision this is? is teach. To, to proclaim a never-ending message of amazing grace. That's reach. That's why we're reaching all the time as a church. And we shall never stop reaching. Can I get an amen? amen. But if all we do is reach, we will miss the mark. If all we do is reach, listen to me, we will grow a church a mile wide but only an inch thick or inch deep. The healthy church, I'm telling you, the, the days when the church was at its best, and for 2,000 years ago, the days when the church is at its best, is when it is made of men and women and children and students who continually devote themselves to growing up spiritually. It's those who are willing, come on, it's those who are willing to put on an apron. Hello. Oh. We went on a staff retreat not long ago and we cooked. And uh, somebody on the staff team brought the chefs in the house some aprons. What do you think? Those who continually devote themselves to growing up spiritually put on an apron and they serve. They put on an apron and they serve Christ and they serve other believers. The, according to that verse, they put on an apron and they come under the teaching of Scripture. Did you get that? They continually devoted themselves to what? The teaching, to fellowship, to communion, to prayer. They continually devoted themselves and they put on an apron and they served. You know what some of us do? Come on. Everybody on the count of three, pull your feet up under your chairs. One, two, three. Just pull them up in there because I might step on some toes right here. <laughs> you know what many people in the church today do? They don't put on an apron they put on a freaking bib. When I had kids, we didn't have these kind. This is awesome. This catches the food. 
Amy Lynn and I need to have another kid so we can try this one out. <laughs> Ain't gonna happen. <laughs> we, wear, we wear bibs. And we say, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Maybe what you need to do in 2014, beloved, is to take the bib off, get your rear end out of a high chair, feed yourself, and grow to be all that God wants you to be for the kingdom of Christ. To get in and serve people, to get in and and serve the community, to get into the word of God daily. Listen, I'm going to do the best I can on Sunday, but I only got 30, 40 minutes with you. The best sermons in the world are not enough to grow you up spiritually one day a week. Continually devote yourself in 2014. Get into the word of God. Can I get an amen? Pray. How's your prayer life? The first church continually devoted themselves to God and the teaching of his word and to communion and to prayer. And listen, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. If all I do, check this out. I've never said this, I don't think, before. If all I do is work on my sermons and come in here and pre- preach to you, I die spiritually. Man, I got to get up. I got to get into the word. I got to pray. I got to serve God. I got to serve people. And when I do that, you know what that is? That is ferocious dedication. That is actually continually devoting yourself to God. And when you do that, you will grow up in 2014 and mature spiritually. And God will start to have his way in your life as you become more and more like Jesus. This is key. I went to a church before I started this church, and um, they had something on bibs and aprons, and I have never forgotten it. It was a very fast-growing church. And one of the phrases that I heard while I was there was this, we want our members to wear aprons instead of bibs. And then I found this write-up in the church building. Bibs are for people who only want to be fed. Bibs are for those who are not ready or willing to feed themselves. Bibs are for those who are more interested in being served than in serving. Hello. Bibs are for those who insist that the church exists for them and their needs. Let me veer off of their text for a moment. Bibs are for those who think they have their own parking spot. Bibs are for those who think when they get in here, their chair shall never be taken by somebody else who needs the grace of God. Let me get back to the text. Bibs are for babes in the faith and those who haven't caught God's vision for the church. And by the way, if you're a babe in the faith, we're so glad you're here. Like if we're reaching people, we're going to always have babes in the faith. Amen? Come on, beloved. Some of you have been in the faith 10 years and you're still in a high chair. What if your baby... What if you had a child? Remember when you take, it's been a while, but I remember going to, with Amy Lynn to the doctor and our, our, our children would get the test and they would put them in certain percentiles. Do you remember this? Growth percentiles. What if when you, when you look at your spiritual life, if God could give you a growth chart of your spiritual life, what if you were still an infant? You never matured into adolescence or into spiritual adulthood. The way you do that is you continually devote yourself. Bibs are for babes in the faith. They haven't caught God's vision for the church or those who are not yet of the faith. But, and that's a big old but, 
Aprons are for those who have a heart to serve others in Jesus' name. Aprons are for those who know that they are the church. You're the church. I'm the church. Aprons are for those who don't mind getting their hands a little dirty. Aprons are for those who take the time daily to feed their spiritual hunger. Aprons are for those who are growing in the faith and hunger to help others grow. Aprons are for those who continually devote themselves to spiritual growth. And can I remind you that Jesus in John chapter 13 got up from the table. And if you will, put an apron on. And grabbed a basin of water and washed their feet. Jesus, our Lord, was a servant. Believers who mature in the faith continually devote themselves to growing up spiritually. They put their whole heart into it, church. Listen to me. They formed little groups that met in homes. They ate meals together with exuberant spirits. They disclosed themselves and their hearts to each other. They even, get this, pooled their resources together and shared with people as they had need. They worshiped together like you're doing today. Man, I got to tell you, friends, that's the church at its best. That's, that's the church that we longed to start and grow. That's the vision that God gave me in Acts when we started this church 12 years ago. And can I just tell you, I pray regularly that that'll be the kind of church we continue to grow in the future. I pray regularly that every rugged individual in this church, Lone Ranger types, you know, you know who you are will actually realize that life is better lived connected. That life lived in isolation. Come on. It's not much of a life. I pray that people will have a yearning to belong and to serve and to grow daily. I pray that people will have a longing and a hungering to get up every single day of their life and find time sometime during the day to crack open God's word and have him speak to them and have God's will done in their life. I pray that for this church. And if you're longing for that, if that's just something inside of you at any of our campuses that you just deeply desire, let me just give you a few things real quick because we are constantly trying to provide opportunities for you to do that. The first one is group link. Group link. If you're not in a group, it is a perfect time to get in a group. And we are having group link February 3rd at 6 p.m. When are we having it, church? February 3rd, 6 p.m. It is the way to get into a life group. It is the way to launch a life group. It is the way to host a life group. It is the way to lead a life group. It is a big party. What would 2014 look like for you to get into a group of people, a band of brothers and sisters, and come under the authority of God's word and pray together and read scripture together and talk about the messages from Sunday together and actually continually devote yourself to growing up? We really believe that life is just better 
in circles and not rows. Second opportunity. Man, you've been hearing about this. FLE, we just finished our series on how to get rich. If you missed any of it, it's in the Resource Center at all of our campuses, the entire packets. Check it out. We told you that we were going to provide an opportunity for all of us, not just people who are in desperate situations financially, but for everybody to grow up financially. And we got Joseph Sangle in the house. And I want to show you a short clip of this man teaching so you will know you don't want to miss this guy. Check it out. No, here's the deal. I found most people, if you cut out all the fun and you have us eating beans and rice every week, we can't stick with that. And most people don't need to do that. Let me tell you something. This is what set me free. What have you been put on earth to do? Like what fires you up? What makes you wake up and say, I can't believe I get to do this. Yeah. What makes you wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Lord, I can't believe I get to do this, instead of waking up and saying, good Lord, it's morning. Do they not look at each other and say, hey, y'all, watch this, and then you get a hospital bill? Let all the spinners unite. Woo! You need to have a plan for your money, and then it will work out okay for you. Dreams cost money, but if we get intentional, we can fund Tell me the reasons you want to win with your money. Just shout it out to me. I could really plan that before I did it. And then I got debt free. You know how long it took me to get debt free? 14 months. Awesome. I'm fired up. And I cannot wait to hear the stories. Any way we can help and serve you, I'm serious. We want to help you. But here's the deal. I want to challenge you to take the next step. Mm. Did you get the dates? Did you get the dates? February 11th and 12th, right in this room at Central Campus, February 12th at all the other campuses. You do not want to miss this guy. When was the church at its best? I believe the church was at its best about 2,000 years ago in about the year 33 AD. I believe when you read the book of Acts, the church was at its best when it did what, folks? had a never-ending, never-compromising message of what? Amazing grace. I believe the church was at its best when it put on an apron and it served. It actually ferociously dedicated itself to growing up spiritually. Here's the final thing I'd say to us today. The church was at its best, listen to me, when it saw the world as a mission field. If you're a note taker, write it in. The followers of Jesus saw the world as their mission field. They had a big vision because they served a big God. Can I get an amen? Amen. For some of us, listen, our God is just too small. These radical Christ followers could not get Jesus' last words out of their mind. Have you ever heard anybody's last words? Some of you have loved ones who have passed away. Man, last words are significant, right? When somebody is sharing their last words, they're not talking about Gamecock, you know, football or Tar Heel basketball or Wolfpack or Duke or anything. They're not talking about any of that. What are they talking about? They don't talk about the weather during their last words. When somebody shares their last words, listen to me, they share the most important thing. Have you ever 
looked at Jesus' last words through that lens. Look at what Matthew 28, 16 through 20 says. Look at it on the screens. Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they did what, church? When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Some of you are doubters in here. We're so glad you're here. Jesus welcomed doubters. Then Jesus came to them. This is key. Jesus came to them and said, all, what's that word? Authority. Key word. Jesus, the Son of God, the Lord of life, says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now watch what he does with this authority. Therefore, go and make disciples. So Jesus says all authority has been given to me. I'm going to give it to you. Therefore, go. Let's read this last part together. Ready? Go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Come on, church. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let's continue. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. That's release, church. That's That's us as a church doing everything we can short of sin to continue to get the amazing grace of God to men and women. Can I get an amen? And once we get them, we grow up spiritually. And as we grow up spiritually, we are then released into the world, fulfilling Matthew 28 under his authority to reach more people for Jesus Christ. And have you ever thought about this? The vision that we have actually grows itself. As we reach people, we then teach people and grow them up and we release people so that we can do what? We can reach more people. That's the beauty of the book of Acts. When you see reach, teach, and release bubbling up, Jesus was so brilliant in this. He sent God's mission. He declared it to the world. You take my authority, you go. I've got to go back to be with the Father in heaven. But if you will live out this reach, teach, and release, you can actually change the spiritual climate of the world. It's why we do hope missions. The Haiti group just came back a few days ago. Would we welcome them back to us, the New Hope Haiti team? It's why at the end of March, we're doing a senior high missions trip to Haiti. Full. There's no more spaces. Sorry. It's why we're going to the Kenya missions trip at the end of July. Mark your connect card if you've never been on a missions trip and you want to go to Kenya in July. It's why we're launching this campus in Nairobi, Kenya. It's why we have a family missions trip to the Appalachian Mountains August 3rd through the 7th. It's why we have a Haiti trip, including a medical clinic. Listen, those of you in the medical field, listen, listen, listen. November 7th through the 13th, we're going on a medical missions trip. And it's why we launched these campuses. And it's why some of you are sent out here and you go to these campuses as missionaries. We don't launch these campuses so that it is more convenient for you. Ooh. We launch these campuses to do what? Reach people with the grace of God. You know why? Because the world is a big place. And this is our mission field. You might say, well, when are we ever going to stop? Well, maybe not never. We will, I'll make a deal with you. 
We will take the pedal off the metal of the vision to reach, teach, and release when you can look at me and I can look at you and declare, you know what? Everybody's saved. Now, that would be a glorious day. Come on now. I mean, that would be awesome. Everybody saved, don't planet Earth. But here's the reality. The world is in a dark, dark place and desperately needs the church to keep rising up and shining the light of Christ. Like you, just yesterday, I cut on the, the television. Actually, I saw it on Twitter first, and then I cut on the television to see that we had another school shooting in America. Did you see this? The world is in a dark place. And the vision of Christ through this church is still white hot. Can I get an amen? It's white hot because we still have a world to reach. It's white hot because people still need Jesus to have their sins forgiven. Can I get an amen? It's white hot because marriages are still falling apart. It's white hot because addictions still need to be broken by the power of the gospel. It's white hot because our children... And our students need the church to steer them in the right way and lead them through the challenges and the turmoils of adolescence. And so our vision is hot. And I, I have to agree with John Wesley on this. When I was on a date with my daughter last night, we were on our way to Deepak and we had an extra hour, so we stopped by Duke. And uh, I was walking her around the Holy Land. And... Uh, And I was showing her where I got on my knees and quoted Ephesians 5 and asked Amy Lynn to marry me. And, and then the chapel was open, you know, and that was cool late night. So we walked into the chapel and, and she doesn't like dead bodies. She doesn't like the thought of it all. So I felt like I was called by God to take her down to the crypt. And so we went down there and I showed her where Washington Duke and Buchanan Duke and all of them were buried. And, and we were just having a great time. But as we walked around the campus, I, I kept seeing statues or, or quotes of John Wesley. And most of you know I'm a big fan of John Wesley. That great... 18th century English revivalist John Wesley. John Wesley had that great quote. He said, the world, the what? The world is my parish. We got a big mission field church with a lot of problems in the world and a lot of lost people. But can I just remind you that we serve a big God? We serve a big God who is able to save, restore, and redeem planet Earth. We serve a big God. That's right. We serve a God who is able to change the world. And he's changing the world. Listen to me. He's changing the world through you, through me. Through other great churches, he's changing the world through churches that find their identity and their vision and their calling to proclaim a never-ending message of what? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved, oh God, that saved a wretch like me. And like you. And you're like, who are you calling a wretch? You. I don't care how good you've been. 
I don't care how much money you put in the offering basket. I don't care how many perfect attendance lapel pins you got at the church for Sunday school. I don't care. Without Jesus, you are still a wretch. And God is changing the spiritual climate of the world by men and women who proclaim that message of grace. It's easy to proclaim it. It's harder to live it out. Who actually say, I'm going to continually devote myself to growing up in that grace and being a world changer. And I'm going to go into that world in my neighborhoods, in my workplaces, in the mission field, wherever I go, when I take one foot off of the church property, when I come out of the exit today and I take a right or a left or I go straight, FYI, you are in the mission field. May God continue to send us into the mission field. May God continue to get all the glory and the honor and the praise for what he is doing through us. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. And the people of God said, amen, amen, and amen. If you receive it and believe it for a bright, bright, bright future, praise the name of the Lord. Father, we give you thanks. 12 years, God. Many people ask me along the way, did you ever see all of this? And God, the truth is I did because you're a big God, but on many levels, the truth is I didn't. You've done so much of that which we saw and pray and asked you to do. But Father God, the truth is you've done so much more than we could have ever imagined. Thank you. Thank you. Continue to use this platform. Continue to use this movement to follow in the footsteps of the first church. To reach people with the unapologetic, never compromising, never ending message of amazing grace. Continue to take this community, God, and place us solely under the authority of Scripture. Take us, God, and create in us an insatiable desire to grow in you, to take the bib off, to put on an apron, and follow in the footsteps of Jesus and serve. And Father, when we leave this campus today and every day, may we be ever mindful of the fact that we are entering the mission field. Use us. Anoint us. Bless us that we might be a blessing to others and that you, Lord Jesus, might get all the glory and the honor and the praise that is ever due your name. We pray it in that name, the name of Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. 
If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. May God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.